0: In Children's Church, and I just want to say as the children are leaving this morning, I want to say a huge thank you to uh, all of those that volunteered yesterday to help us serve at our community Christmas dinner, whether you were there Friday night to help us set up, whether you were there cooking ahead of time and bringing it in, whether you were there hands on the floor on, uh, on Saturday, thank you guys so much. Without all of your help, that doesn't happen. And uh, and I just, I'm so grateful for a church family and a church community that's so excited about serving our community and serving those outside of these four walls and, uh, and doing everything that we can to love and to show them the love of, of Jesus. And uh, I, it was an incredible evening last night. I think somewhere around the 250 mark, if I'm not mistaken, was about the number of plates we served, give or take. We had lots of food. Um, in fact, we've got some food for a, a special turkey dinner ...that we're going to have with our uh, from our home to your home. And we're going to talk about that in the upcoming weeks as we roll into the Christmas season. But uh, it was just an awesome, awesome night to serve our community. I had a, a couple posts on the Facebook wall. And one of them that I wanted to share with you was from a lady who'd never been to the Christmas banquet before. And uh, she'd never been. She'd heard about it. She knew about it. She'd never been. She came for the first time. And she said the food was absolutely incredible. The atmosphere was absolutely amazing. It was so welcoming and so inviting well done and thank you living way so you guys can give yourselves a big hand because that is incredible just the way that God is moving we celebrate that i mean god is god is awesome and we get a great opportunity to serve our community through practical ways like a turkey dinner at christmas time and uh, and we're going to be able to do the Christmas Angel again this year where we have a family with our um, family services, uh, a family in Ingleheart that we get to bless with Christmas gifts. They'll all be available and on the table next week uh, for you to uh, see if you're if you're able to help out in whatever way, shape, or form. That we can not only just bless our community through a dinner, but we can bless a very specific family with Christmas gifts this Christmas season. Man, it's crazy to think that we're rolling into Christmas, isn't it? Like... I feel like in two days it's going to be uh, advent calendars are going to be opening all over the place. Is that did I get the right one? Advent calendars, right? And, and they're going to be chocolates and there's going to be kids. Any any of you going to have an advent calendar? Come on, it's okay, Rodney. Thank you for being honest, Jeremy. I appreciate the honesty. Um, advent calendars. It's it's crazy to think that we're counting down to Christmas and counting down to the birth of Jesus, and it's going to be a great time. In fact, we're going to start a series next week called His Name Shall Be Called from the, the book of Isaiah. We're going to look at the four names that, uh, that Isaiah talks about, the names of Jesus, and it's going to be a great series as we study, as we look forward to the Christmas season. But before we get there, we're going to finish this study uh, on Elisha, the prophet from 2 Kings, uh, a tale of ridiculous faith, and we've been walking through this over the last... Three weeks, and it's been uh, it's been an exciting series. It's been great to to learn about the life of Elisha, and to learn about how it uh, fits for us, and how we maybe maybe in our day and in our time, our name could be penned here, and it could be whatever your name is. A tale of ridiculous faith, not laughable faith, but unbelievable faith that people will talk about the way that you lived your life and how faithful you were, and how faithful to God you were, and they can see incredible things. That God did through you, and that you were a part of, like elisha it 's just been this awesome journey as we 've looked at week one where we talked about the call, answering the call with ridiculous commitment, where Elijah came and threw his cloak over elisha and called him into uh, called him as God had set him apart to be the next prophet for Israel, and that he had made the decision to turn away from everything that he knew to follow Elijah and to be his a student and to learn and to learn and to learn and that he he didn't understand it all but it didn't matter he made that commitment anyways and he dug in and he let go of what was to embrace what is and what god was calling and we looked at how we need to answer the call in our life and it takes ridiculous commitment week two we looked at uh digging ditches a moment in the in the story of Eli- Elisha, sorry, of Elisha, when uh, the the, Na- the Is- Israel and there were three kings going to battle, and they were stuck in their uh, wandering towards the battle, and they're in the place where they have no water, and they're thirsty, and they need to drink. They have no water for themselves or for their animals, and uh, they went to the prophet Elisha, and the God told him to tell th- the king said, "Go and dig ditches," and when you dig ditches. God will fill them with water. And God filled them with water when they dug the ditches. And it filled with water and they drank. And it was a great, uh, a great story. Last week we talked about filling jars. Ridiculous faith. Where we saw this widow who came with this incredible need. That, that she was going to lose everything. Because her husband was in debt. And he had passed. And they were going to take her children. And Elisha said, go into your room. Collect as many jars as you can. Go into your house. Close the door and pour that little amount of oil that you have, and pour it into the jar, and she kept pouring into empty jars, and filling them, and filling them, and filling them. And as soon as there were no more jars, the oil stopped. And we saw that God not only filled, but but supplied for her, sustained her. Not only did He fill the jars, but He sustained her. Not only did He give her something that she could pay off her debts, but she, but He sustained her for the rest of her life. That God was there with ridiculous provision and that provision is for our lives and this morning we're going to look at this last icon here the icon of an axe and we're going to look at a story of a floating axe head one of the strangest stories that we may read about in the scriptures but it's very powerful a floating axe head ridiculous recovery is what we're going to look at so if you have your notes we can follow along but i want to ask you this question how many of you have, ever, <clears throat> excuse me, how many of you have ever lost something? How many of you have lost something and then began to hunt for it and couldn't find it? Yes, many of us have been in that place. It happens to me more times than I want to admit to it. And a lot of times it happens with uh, things that I need to unlock doors. Keys seem to go missing. I, uh, I, I've gotten a habit now. I've, I've figured out how I can solve the problem. Okay, here's how I can solve the problem. One, I wear this like clip so that I clip it on my belt loop so I always have my keys with me. So when I'm going anywhere, I always know where my keys are. But the next thing I do and when I come into the office is I come into the office and I've done this for probably six years now. And I come into the office, I put my key in my office door, I unlock it, I leave my keys hanging in the door handle. That way I'll never lock them in my office, and that way I'll always know where they are. Well, one day, I got them into the office, and I went into to the, unlock the office door, did everything that I always do. I sat down at my desk, and I was doing some work, and I can't remember whether I had to unlock the office door up here, if I had to unlock the door. At the, I can't remember which door I had to unlock. I got up from my desk, and I ran to the, ran out first off, went to the door, and went, oh, my keys, I went back, and I went to the door, and they weren't in the handle. Now, I quickly had to think, where did I put them? Where did I place them? I'm thinking in my head, okay, I ran back to the door. They weren't at the door. I ran back to my desk. I looked all over my desk. I couldn't find them. Pulled them out of the drawers. I looked everywhere and I could not find my keys. I went back to make sure that I wasn't missing something and they weren't actually just hanging in my door handle and I just missed it. They weren't there. I couldn't find them. I was getting a little frustrated and a little frantic and I'm Really trying to find where I put this, where I put my keys, and I come to find them as I put my hand in my pocket hanging on my belt loop. <laughs> the thing I thought would save me the hassle. Caused me more problems. Ever had that problem before? Maybe you've uh, been looking for your car keys and they're in your hand. Or you were looking to pay with your credit card. And it's sitting in, you had it in your hand and you're looking all around. Or you put it down right in front of you. And it's in plain sight and you just have lost it. And you're scared and nervous. And it's kind of a scary feeling when you lose a credit card or you lose keys. uh, But you begin to search as quickly as you can to find them. I want to share with you this story as we read in Second, King, or Second Kings chapter 6 about uh, Elisha in this moment where uh, we see one of the uh, students lose an axe head. And, uh, and God, through the prophet, does this incredible thing. But just to catch us up to where we are as you're turning, if you want to look in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, just to get us caught up so we can kind of trace through what's happened. Elijah has, has been mentoring Elisha. Elijah has taken uh, has been taken up, and his cloak remains. And Elisha's gone and picked up the cloak, and he's taken on now the mantle of being the prophet for Israel and speaking the word of God, doing this incredible, speaking for God to the people. It's been this incredible journey. We've seen that uh, he's performed three miracles on his way back from after Elijah's left, where he uh, parted the Jordan River, where when he slapped a cloak on the water and it opened up and he walked across. He purified water that was bad and he cursed a group of boys who were mocking God's messenger. And we read that there are some bears that come running out of the bush and maul the kids. I mean, great stories. We see a battle of the Moabites where three kings joined forces to fight against the Moabites who have rebelled against israel and we talked about this where where they came to elijah and elisha and said we need water and elisha said god says to dig ditches and when you dig the ditches god who's only able to provide the water will provide the water and then in as the story unfolds after the battle elisha had the encounter with the widow like we talked about last week where he fills jars full of oil where she fills jars full of oil as god's providing for her well as soon as that miracle's over there's three more miracles that get us to the point where we're at today Elisha brings a, a child of a woman who was barren back to life. She was barren, wasn't able to have kids. She sees the prophet. The prophet says, you're going to have a child in a year. She has a child within a year. And, and basically she says, if you're telling me I'm going to have a child, like don't get my hopes up and then something happens. And this child winds up passing and she goes back to Elisha. And Elisha comes and God, through him, raises this child back to life. Very next story, Elisha turns this Poisoned soup into good soup. They they are sitting going to make a big pot of soup. And they go and collect this stuff. And they collect this poisonous plant. And they put it in. They didn't realize that the soup was bad. And Elisha says, bring me some flour. And boom. The soup is healthy again. And then there's the story of Naaman. Who's a man with leprosy. And Elisha says you need to go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. And then your flesh will be restored. And you will be cleansed. And he's like... Nah. You didn't heal me instantly, kind of a bit of a battle, and finally over this conversation he decides to go and dunk himself in the water and does what he's supposed to do, and he's healed of his leprosy. It gets us to this point in in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6 where we read this next miracle that takes place, and it kind of seems out of place because we've just heard about this child being raised from the dead, the soup being... T- turned good and and then this man healed of leprosy and then we get this story in act in uh, chapter six where it says the company of prophets verse one said to Elisha look the place we the place we meet with you is too small for us let's go to the Jordan where each of us can cut a pole and let's build a place there for us to live so these students who are learning from Elisha who are working under Elisha kind of uh, this little like uh, schooling moment, could call it a little bit of a Bible college type thing if you wanted to, and they're, they're saying, listen, we've run out of room, there's no space here, we need to build a bigger spot, let's go down by the Jordan, then let's build another spot where we can meet, so we have more room. And he said, being Elisha, said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? Oh, Elisha, please come with us as we build this place, so that, that just, they wanted to be around him. They wanted him there. Come with us. Then one, and then he says, "I will." Elisha replied, and he went with them. And they went down to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. "Oh, my Lord," he cried out. "It was borrowed. Oh no, oh no." Anybody ever borrowed something and had it break? oh boy, I hate borrowing things because if I break it, I feel awful and then I have to replace it and half the time the things that I want to borrow is too expensive for me to replace so I choose not to borrow it sometimes. But, you know, they, they borrowed this axe head and this axe head flies off and it falls into the water and the man of God asked, where did it fall? Elisha asked the, the, this student, where did it fall? When he showed the pl- showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it There. And made the iron float. Iron float. Yes, that's what it says. Isn't that a strange thought? Anybody put iron in water before? It doesn't float. It sinks. I think they use iron to help anchor boats sometimes. It sinks. Lift it up, he said. And then the man reached out his hand and took it. This is a fascinating story. It's kind of a strange story to me. It's fascinating because it's it's right here in the midst of all of these incredible big huge miracles, and here's this story of a of a, a student who's borrowed an axe, and the axe breaks and it falls in the water, and God miraculously allows it to float so that the student could get it back. It seems kind of strange to me, but it's significant because it points to something very very specific that's very very beneficial for our lives right here and right now it's beneficial because it it shows us a picture of who god is and how much he cares for each one of us it's so significant i want to ask you this question have you ever lost your spiritual edge you know, one time you were you know, you, you had this incredible encounter with God, you get all excited and, and passionate and you're serving God and you're doing these incredible things and you're you're serving at Christmas banquets, you're you're going to church all the time, you're you're digging into your Bible, you're praying, you're doing all this thing, and you're so what you would what we would call on fire for God and you're so passionate you have this spiritual edge about yourself everything you do is so exciting you have this great strength or this vigor for serving God and you're you in a sense you're knocking down trees building helping to build the kingdom and then you get to this point where maybe you lose it where it's gone have you ever been in that spot where you've lost the spiritual edge where you've lost that fire or you've lost that fervor or you've lost that excitement and you're you're kind of just there huh. you're kind of just there if we've lost that edge if you've lost that spiritual edge I want to encourage you this morning to say that you can get it back and that God cares about the little things in your life God cares about that little edge that maybe you think you've lost, you can't get back. Or maybe the big thing that you've lost that you can't get back. That God cares. And what I want to wrestle through this morning is, is this, how can we get that back? I mean, I believe that this, this passage teaches us that God cares. And that he wants us to get that edge back. But there's some things that maybe we have to do in our life. And we're going to walk through that this morning. We're going to talk about getting your edge back. So maybe if you're here this morning and you've lost it. Maybe it's dull. Maybe it just needs to be sharpened. Maybe it's 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 like si- sinking. It's sitting at the bottom of the, we're going to use it from the story, the bottom of the, the river. And you feel like you're helpless and can't get it back. I want to talk about getting your edge back. What that looks like. How we can do that what we can do to get to this place where we get our edge back i know in my life when i've been feeling like i've lost that edge there's a lot of times i feel like oh it's hopeless it's helpless i can't do anything and yet god wants to help us to get that back so here's what i to talk about this morning getting it back when we look at this story we begin to see a few things we begin to see that this young student who's been spending time with Elisha, who's been, who's been learning all of this stuff, all of this trade stuff, and he's been, he's been walking with him, he's been studying, he's been hearing about God, and all these great things are happening. They're, they're, they're building this new house, they're, they're this new school, and the, the waters, they're down by the water, and they're borrowing stuff, and they're chopping down trees, and this axe head goes flying into the water. And the first thing that this boy does is he's like, oh no, oh no and what happened in his life is that he became honest about losing something as opposed to hiding it and here's what we need to realize to get our edge back we need to be honest about where you lost it we need to be honest about it because we can pretend like we nothing happened we can we can pretend like we're good Oh no, nothing's wrong. I'm perfectly fine. I have never or not lost my edge. Or, or you know, this young boy could have just kind of sat back and just watched as everyone else was doing it and not said anything. But he was honest about where he lost it. He looked at the the, the man of, of God or, or Elisha. The iron head fell into the water. He says, Oh no, oh no, my Lord. Oh no. And I can kind of picture this this conversation happening a little bit more is like, oh no is he standing there with this stick with no uh no head on it? he's like oh no i've lost it it's in the water it's at the the bottom of the lake i've lost it right here and right now and he says it's borrowed it's borrowed why is this a significant statement well we have to understand that in this time period iron was rare and it was very expensive I mean, for him to replace it, he's a a student, one. How many of you had a lot of money when you were a student? I did not. He was a student, for one, and this was very expensive and very rare, and it wasn't his. He didn't have the money to replace it. He lost this piece of equipment, and he couldn't replace it. And he's like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't replace it. I've lost it. I need help. He needed to be honest. He needed to be honest about where he had lost it. When we want to get our edge back, we need to be honest about where we lost it. Where did you lose that edge, spiritual edge? Was it, was it you know, because of a circumstance or a situation? Be honest about it. And be honest about the fact that you've lost it, that you're maybe struggling through it, and that's okay because God wants to get it back to you. But we have to be honest about it. I mean, when I lost my keys, I had to be honest that I lost them even though I didn't know where they were as they were jingling on the side of my pant. But I had to be honest about it. I couldn't just say, oh, somebody took them. Although somebody could have taken them if they were playing a practical joke on me. But I was the only one in the building, so that wouldn't have been justified. But we have to be honest about it. I lost them here in the church. Where are they? And we have to be honest about it. You see, to get our edge back, we need to be honest about where you lost it. The second thing is you need to determine the exact spot where you lost that edge. You need to be able to determine the exact spot where you lost it. Elisha looks at the young student and he says, where did it fall? Where did it fall? He's asking him very specifically, where did it fall? Parents, when your children say they lost something, what's the first thing you say to them? where were you last when you had it, right, we, my, my son comes in, he says, I, you know, I lost the, the remote for the, the TV, oh, they lose it all the time, anyway, it's a little, great, it's like this big, and they lose it, said, well, where did you have it last, on the couch, did you look there, yes, it's not there, does dad need to come and look there, no, I'll go back and look first, we always ask people to trace their steps, right? Trace your steps back. You know, you forget something, you go back and sit down in your office chair and you remember exactly what you want, and you go back to the person to tell them. You retrace your steps to find it. You have to know where you lost it, where where did you lose it? Elisha looks at him and asks him the same question, where where did it fall? Where did it fall? And the challenge is for us to try to remember that. Where did we lose that moment where our spiritual edge or our passion or our excitement for God kind of began to fizzle down? And we need to walk back, trace our steps, much like I did when I couldn't find my keys in the door handle. I went back to the door to make sure they weren't there. Then I went back to make sure that they weren't at my desk. And then I even went back to make sure they weren't in my door handle again. We retrace our steps to remember where it was that we had it last to know what happened and how we lost it. So we trace our steps back. We trace our steps back. I mean, the student, he didn't plan to lose the axe head. So when it flew off, he knew exactly where it fell so that he could address the question, where did it fall, where did it go in the water, where is it, where's the last spot you had it, okay, it was right here, then what happened next, well, it went this, and it went in the water, so the same question for us, if you've lost your spiritual edge, okay, when was the last time you felt like you had that edge, that passion, that excitement, and you backstep, and you go, okay, it was right here, and then you begin to ask the question, okay, so what happened next, what happened next, so you can be honest about it, and you can backtrack so you know where it was so that you can begin to figure out and work with God to get it back. If we ever get to the point where we lost our edge, maybe we need to ask ourselves these questions. Where was it? Where was it? Determine the exact location. Where was it? Was it because we dropped out of Sunday school thinking that Sunday school wasn't very important? Was it because we stopped attending church on a regular basis? Was it because we became angry with someone or jealous with someone or mad at something or mad at God for a circumstance or a situation? Was it because maybe you stopped praying or reading God's word on a regular basis? Was it because maybe personal sin entered your life and it kind of entangled you? We need to determine the exact spot where we lost the edge. When did we have it? When did we lose it? What was it that caused it us to lose our edge? You see, how do we get our edge back? Well, we'd be honest about where you lost it. You determine the exact spot where you lost your edge. And then in this story, we see this, as we see this incredible moment that with God's help, we take back what was lost. With God's help, we take back what you lost. You see, when the man answered the question that Elijah, Elisha asked him, where did it fall? When he, when he showed him the place, when he showed him the place, it was, it was right there. It fell on the water right there. Don't you still see the ripples? Don't you still see the water moving? It was right there. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and he threw it in that spot. As he threw it in that spot, made the iron float and this axe head comes from the bottom of the river up to the top but it doesn't end there it doesn't end there look what it says it says lift it out lift it out this is Elisha saying this to the young student now reach your hand in there and grab that axe head and pull it out of the water It floated up. Now you reach in there and pull it out of the water. Then the man reached out his hand and he took it. You see, with God's help, we take back what we lost. See, God brought the axe head to float in the water. And he had to do the work to reach his hand out and to pull it in. And to put it back on the stick. Remember week two. Only God can send the water. But you are asked to dig the ditch. Week three. Only God can multiply the oil, and you are asked to gather the empty jars. Well, this week, only God can make the axe head float. Only God can make what you lost float. You have to reach out and take it back. See, God can do incredible things, and he then asks us, he says, lift it out, reach out and grab it. Did you lose your spiritual edge? Honest about it. You remember where it was. God, help me to get it back. God, help me to get it back. And he says, here's where you lost it. Now reach out and grab it. You stop maybe reading your Bible regularly. Reach out and grab it and start reading more. Take it back. Ignore this, because this is what's going to pop into your head. It's too late. You'll never get it back. You'll never, ever, ever get it back. Ignore the voice in your head. Because with God... It's not too late. Depend on Him. Depend upon Him. Remember we said in week two that our greatest need can become a blessing if it causes us to depend on God. If You've lost your spiritual edge. Depend on Him. Depend on Him. Depend on Him. And when He says, you know what, you need to do this, then you you reach out your hand and you pick the axe head out of the water and you do it. Don't listen to your head. Oh, it's too late. You'll never have it. No, no, no. You can. You can. You can with God's help. You can do. You do what you can do. And trust God to do what you can't do. But that he can do in your life. How do we get that edge back? How do we get that edge back? We be honest about where we lost it. We determine the exact spot where we lost it. And with God's help, take back what you lost what is it in your life have you lost your spiritual edge have you lost that edge spiritually you're not there you're not and you just need god's help you see this this story and this miracle shows us that god cares about you he cares about the big things and the little things. He cares about you and if you've lost your spiritual edge, He wants to help you get it back. But we have to be honest about it. We have to be willing to walk back to find out what we did wrong and then we depend on God and we trust Him and we, when He says take that out, we grab it and we take it out of the water and we take it back. Let's look at this this morning as we close. Seeing God in the ridiculous recovery. Because this was an unbelievable recovery. I mean, iron floating from the bottom of the river to the top. This is a great recovery and God wants to help you get your edge back. God wants to help you in this process if you've lost something He cares about. This is what I want you to hear which is very, very important. That God cares about you and He cares about what you lost. That God cares about you. Now, Now be very specific. God cares about you. Put your name there. God cares about you and you put your name there. And he cares about what you lost. He cares about you and what you lost. Shows us in this story that God isn't only concerned about the major tragedies and the trials in our life. But he also oversees the daily struggles. And he cares about you. The little things. God cares about you. And because he cares about you, he cares about what you lost. Cares about what you lost. There's a story in Luke's gospel that talks about these sparrows, and it says these words. He says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You are worth more than many sparrows. And the Bible tells us that God has not forgotten one of the sparrows. And if He hasn't forgotten one of the sparrows, and you are worth more than the many sparrows, how much more does God care about you? You. You, specifically. God cares about you, and He cares about what you've lost. He cares about what you're going through, even if it's the smallest Thing. Even if you think this is insignificant, this is so small, God cares about you. Look at this. There have been this healing of a man who has leprosy. And then this miracle of an axe head that floats. I mean, two completely different needs. Two completely, one seeming very insignificant being a lost axe head. A flat tire on the side of the road. God cares about you and what you've lost. That headache that stops you from doing something. The the worst pain ever. That toothache that just drives you crazy. The math test you have to write. The busy day at work or the stress at work that you have to face. God cares about you. And He cares about what you lost. And there's no small thing. There's no small thing. In fact, in the book of Nahum... Chapter 1, it says, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. He cares for those who trust in him. He cares for you, and he cares for me. And he cares about what we're going through, and he cares about what we've lost, whether it's big or whether it's small. He cares about it, and he wants to help us to get it back. He wants to help us get it back. Don't buy the lie in your head that says it's too late he cares about you he cares about what you lost even if it's small because with god there is no prob- there are no problems too small to bring to god's attention there's no problems too small no problems too small even though we think it's small there's no problems too small oh this is insignificant god brought an ax head to float first peter says these words, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Catch this word here. Three letters. Very powerful. Very significant. This means there's nothing too small. Cast all your anxieties on Him. All. All. Not just the big ones. Not just the the mid-sized ones and the big ones and the the -the over-the-top stressful painful ones. Cast them all, even the small ones. On him because he cares for you. There is no problem too small to bring to God's attention. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. In fact, there's an old Anglican pastor named Jonathan Edwards who wrote this in the 1700s, and it's so great, it's so awesome. It says, Not one concern of ours is small if we belong to him being God. And he carries it on to finish it with this. To teach us this, the Lord of all made an axe head swim. There's not one concern of ours that is too, that is small if we belong to Him. We can bring it to Him. Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. He taught us this by the Lord of all made an axe head to swim. This small insignificant miracle tells us and shows us that God cares about us and he cares about even the small details of our life and we need to bring it to him. And if we've lost that edge, if we've lost that passion, maybe it's just dull or, or not quite as sharp as we want it to be and we've lost it and we, we go back to where it was, we say we lost it there, then we can call on God and we can depend on him and he can bring that back to us. God cares about you and what you lost. With God, there are no problems too small to bring to his attention. And finally this, that God can help you recover what you've lost. God can help you recover what you've lost. He can help you. What have you lost? What part of the edge has you lost? God can help you recover that. But you need to be honest about it. You need to know where it was. And then you need to take it back with God's help. Deuteronomy chapter 30 is this moment where they're talking to the nation of Israel and the prosperity of returning to the Lord. And I want to give you this translation from the message because uh, it, it points to a very specific piece here. It says, God, your God, will restore everything you lost. This is when you return back. To the Lord. He's talking to Israel. This is when you return back to the Lord. This prosperity of returning back to the Lord. God. Your God. Will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces. From all the places where you were scattered. No matter how far away you ended up. God. Your God. Will get you out of there. And bring you back to the land. Your ancestors once possessed. It will be yours again, and he will give you a good life and make you more numerous than your ancestors. God, your God, will restore everything you lost. If you've lost something, God wants to restore it and wants to help you find it. If you've lost your spiritual edge, if you've lost your passion and your excitement, and you're like, God, I need your help, we need to be honest about it, and we need to retrace our steps And we need to reach out and grab it with God's help. And God wants to help us to get back what we lost. God, your God, will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. Here's this moment where this seemingly insignificant miracle happens. And God's saying, hey, catch it. It's here for a reason. It shows I care about you and where you are at. And I want to help you recover what you've lost. Don't buy the lie in your head. It's too late. No, it's not. With God. With God. All things are possible. Don't buy the lie. Ridiculous recovery. Only God can send the water. But we can dig the ditches. Only God can. And supply the oil but we can gather the empty jars and only God only God can make an axe head float but we can reach out and grab it when he tells us to church this morning as we close worship team if you'd come as we close this series as we close this study are you here in this place where you've lost that passion you've lost that edge for serving god maybe it doesn't mean that you've quit everything maybe it doesn't mean that you've you've left you know you've you've stopped and you're this you're fallen apart but but maybe you've you've lost that edge that you once had this morning as we sing and as we worship would you be honest about it and be willing to Come to God and you say, Lord, help me. You turn your dependence upon from yourself to Him and say, Lord, help me. Help me to recover that edge that I lost. Help me to recover that thing that I've lost, that passion, that excitement, that edge, that 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 desire that I had. Help me to recover it and allow him to speak into your life or maybe you're here maybe you're here and you think that the the thing that you lost this ties to the whole series is not able to come back or you, that you just need God's touch in your life for his provision in your life or for faith in your life or commitment to answer the call that he's calling you to As we sing, as we worship this morning, as we close this service, would you just be honest with God and say, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need you to step into my life and allow him to fill you where you are. And if you want myself, or one of the elders to pray with you, and you're more than welcome to join us up here. And we'll just lay our hands and pray and believe that God will fill you believe that God will do what, a miracle in your life. We believe God is willing and able and we just come to Him with faith. This morning as we as we sing, as we close this service, if, if that's you, just be honest with God. I've lost something. I've lost that edge. Lord, help me to get it back. Lord, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm at the, the end of my rope and I need your provision. I need your help like the widow. I need you to fill me and sustain me. Or Lord, I, I'm, I'm out of water and I'm thirsty and I'm desperate and I need, I just need you to fill my life. God, just give me the courage to answer the call you have. Whatever it is this morning. We just want to close, believing that and knowing that God is willing and able to meet you where you are. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you stand across this room? Father, I pray in these closing moments, God, that you would stir on our hearts. Lord that you would help us to be honest about where we are and about what we need. And God that we would come to you. Lord, that you would be our answer. <clears throat> God, that we wouldn't rely on our own strength anymore. But God, that you would be our source, that you would be everything that we need. Father, would you fill us with your presence? God, would you come and meet us where we are now and surround us? Lord, we come to you. And we know, God, that you hear us. And Lord, that if we've, if we've lost something, that you are there To help us to recover. it, But we ought to be honest about it. So Father we come to you. And now. We're honest with you. Church would you just be honest with God this morning. It's not for anybody else. But you and him. Would you just be honest with him this morning. We're just going to worship. And if you want prayer. You can join us at the front. Otherwise just worship God. Just press into him. Allow him to speak into your life this morning. We pray. God, would you speak to us? Would you meet us where we are? In Jesus' name, amen.